The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. A Thanksgiving feast worth of picks. Is Missouri about to notch win number 10 for Bill Connolly and make him <laughs> the happiest metric dude in the entire world? This is the College Game Day podcast for the rest of the week. I'm not sure which day we're doing it. We're recording it on Tuesday, November 21st in order to give people a little more time with their families, including our crack podcast producers, Taylor Schwink and Sarah Abbott, Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly here sitting in for Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve, uh, this is going to be the Picks podcast, guys, and he decided to uh, take his lead and go home. Are we going to penalize him at all for... Uh, I can certainly try to picks. sabotage his his lead, filling in. Like I can. Well, then again, I, that would require me to do my worst, and I don't know what my best and worst are. They're kind of the same. So, <laughs> don't don't say that, Bill. This is the year of Bill. All right, you are a Missouri grad mm-hmm. who once owned a Barry Odom jersey. All right, That's true. there are oh, no two more approved entities. Suddenly, I can't jinx anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like Missouri is way out kicking the coverage of what anyone thought they would do this year as a team. All right. They are likely headed if they win this weekend to a New York Six Bowl. And Barry Odom is nine and two. Yeah. Like that's unfathomable. And their 35 7 loss to Michigan, actually, in retrospect, looks pretty respectable <laughs> compared to what some of the Big Tens did rolling over against the Wolverines. So I, uh, I, it is the year of Bill Reese. We are just honored to get a little glow of his aura. And, UNLV, I mean, what a turnaround that is. And they've, um, I'm looking right now, I know they have a game lead. There, There's no weird thing in which they wouldn't make the championship game. Let's see, they have the head-to-head just recently by beating Air Force mm-hmm. uh, last week. And yeah. then um, Boise I know State. if Boise wins, they're in, yeah. and they could win it with an interim. Yeah. So they're going to beat, I believe, Air Force on Friday with Spencer Danielson as the coach. And then they'd go to the Mountain West Championship. So... Um, yeah, that could be a little awkward, uh, you know, for, uh, for Jeremiah Dickey, if they, uh, if they <laughs> barnstorm three games and hoist the trophy. So but when you vote, when you guys vote on the various <laughs> coach of the year awards, how do you evaluate? Because I think, I feel like sometimes that take Kirby smart, for instance, that he's not really going to get his due because Georgia's won back-to-back national championships. That is the expectation for the dogs now yet. This was a really good coaching job. And then sure. you, juxt- you juxtapose it with Eli Drinkwitz, who's been phenomenal, with Barry Odom, who's been phenomenal. Um, Kurt Signetti. You, I, Kurt Signetti, yeah. absolutely great. A lot of great uh, guys. I tend to lean, honestly, toward the guys who do something I didn't expect them to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's kind of uh that's kind of where I fall on the coach of the year awards. How do you guys look at that? Uh, same, basically, like wh- whatever the expectations were, who exceeded them the most. And and obviously that's, you could say that's unfair to Kirby Smart or Nick Saban or whatever, but you know, they make lots of money and win lots of rings. So I'm not going to feel too bad for them. <laughs> so it, it ends up being kind of a define expectations award for me, which means that Barry freaking Odom, um, like they were projected. I had them projected 107th this year. They're now 46th in SP plus. Um, Where's your Jersey bill? Let's cut to it. All right. I I really need to, you know, is it in like a a bin somewhere? It's in a a plastic bin, like 30 feet to my left right now. Um, And I do need to at some point. I think that thing should be hanging next to your shelf the next time we do this podcast. That's a challenge. 
That's your Thanksgiving challenge. Uh, Unlike last year, I actually have a shelf, so it won't look really weird if I just pinned a, a shirt on the wall and that was all you saw behind me. It might fit in a little more now. So yeah, I'll, I'll try to, I'll rummage at some point here. I think we, we need, we spent- I think we need that. What brand is it? Is it like Riddell? Oh God. Yeah. It had to have been, it was like 1997. So <laughs> could it be it Russell athletic Russell there we go. champion something? There we go. Yeah. yeah. I don't even oh, remember at this yeah. point, probably Riddell. That's my guess. The Under Armour guy was still a walk-on in '97. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this was this was a while ago. You know, it's uh, it's really a, a fascinating thing. And one of the things, Pete, is you followed the coaching carousel. Mm-hmm. Is and look, we've been making people upset on this podcast all year. We don't mean to. I think we're generally pretty affable guys. We we like to get along <laughs> with people. We want people to like us, but we also you know try to say what we think and try to give the facts straight and. Here's the fact of the matter for, say, a Barry Odom, not exclusively Barry Odom, but a guy in his his situation. UNLV, historically, has not been great. And if you do have great seasons, you haven't been able to sustain it. And so you have to strike while the iron is hot. Maybe the right job doesn't come along. But for a guy like Barry Odom, and I'm not trying to get him out of Vegas, and I'm sure if he's listening to this podcast, he's going to get mad. (laughs) But this is the year. This is the moment right here and if you have an opportunity that is appealing to you you almost have to grab it because if you miss the cycle uh you can really really get yourself in a tough spot i mean some would suggest that matt campbell has missed cycles in the past either because he didn't get a job he thought he was going to decided not to pursue one whatever and they sort of came back to the pack a little bit although i think matt's done a really good job uh, with his with his team this year especially given the straightened circumstances he found himself in at the beginning of the year. But I hearken back, and I guess the statute of limitations has passed on this. You see, uh, uh, Bill has his Barry Odom jersey. I have my Mark May jersey behind me. Mayday and I were doing a game right after Ron Turner had the big year at Illinois. Ah. And we were kind of chatting casually at an all-star game afterwards with him. And we were both like, you know, you're going to bounce? And he said, I think I can keep it going here. (laughs) <laughs> he did not and that doesn't mean he wasn't a good coach he was just it's there are some places that it's hard to sustain and if you're going to be upward upwardly mobile in coaching sometimes you have to strike um what are your what are your thoughts how attractive a candidate is barry odom after after the job that he's put forth this year pete well i would say this there's a great saying that comes up this time of year in in the in the barry odom archetype um, of having that season. You can only defy gravity for so long. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember Gary Darnell? That, that was going to be my oh, yeah. example. Gary yeah. Darnell. <laughs> he turned down, uh, he turned down Missouri and Rutgers at Western Michigan. It went sideways on him as it does in the Mac. The Mac is a relentless beast um, with, mm-hmm. with not a lot of difference between the top and the bottom. And uh, yeah, he had a, uh, after Bill goes, I'm going to dig up the Gary Darnell quote. He had, he had one of the great quotes about like the, that, that regret um of of not of not striking when the uh is uh, the iron's hot but yes defying gravity is a real is a real thing and i do think barry odom has really helped himself uh remember he's from oklahoma correct bill oh yeah a- a- yeah a- oklahoma yeah and uh the new uh the new mississippi state ad is from <laughs> oh <laughs> Is he from Ada, Oklahoma, too? He's not from Ada. He's not well, from, he's Ada. from Oklahoma, right? It's self, he's from Oklahoma. Selma, right? So there's yeah. yeah, there's some there's some there's some overlay there. So again, I'm not projecting that's gonna happen, but like usually there's some ties. Now there's an assistant in Oklahoma who's a really good shot in Starkville, too. But I would think if I were Barry Odom, 
quite frankly, I would I would I would run to Boise or San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. Like the best thing to do as a coach to extend your career is to win. Mm-hmm. And if that winning is at a lower level, um, meaning like a like a G five or whatever, or if it's at a higher level, it doesn't matter. You need to win. You need mm-hmm. to win. And just because you have a fancy conference logo on your jersey, that is no that is no assurance. And sometimes it's a curse towards the ability to uh, to continue to win. So um, obviously. Coach Leach passed at Mississippi State, and it was a tragedy. And he was doing a very good job. the The two coaches who sandwiched him didn't have very long runs. Like it is, that is a relentless, relentless place. Um, it's a hard place to win. Dan Mullen, I think, is the greatest coach in school history. I'm sure, there's some guy in the '40s, but like you know, Dan Mullen had them number one in the country. did did a pretty good job. Um, and it took him time. It took him mm-hmm. time. He struggled his first couple of years. They needed to get players in, develop players set a culture, great strength coach, like, and then they, uh, and then they pushed it, you know, they pushed it through and up. So um, yeah, I mean, the the beauty of covering college football and why I strongly prefer it over professional football is there is a lightning bolt of UNLV every year, somewhere across the country and someplace celebrates like it's the first time. And that's very cool. It's the same thing with college basketball, right? There's always some school that's never been in that gets in and gets the first crack and, there's nothing quite like it. So props to Marriott. They've been they have been the the fun story of the season. You have to and, be careful and, about the choices you make as a coach. And <laughs> I think I've I think I've shared this story before. Way back in the day when I was doing a lot of the weeknight games, this was probably even before I was doing the Thursday night games regularly. Um, we had a game at FAU and Howard Schnellenberger was there. And sitting in Howard's office and he was, you know, pontificating and, you know, breaking down strategy and waxing poetic about various things. So we sort of finished, you know, the formal pregame type discussion or day before the game type discussion. And I said to him, I said, Howard, do you ever think about what your career might have been like if you just stayed at Miami? He sat back in his chair. I wish he had had his pipe. But honesty compels me to say he didn't. But he sat back in his chair and he said, no, I do not permit myself to look backward at the various choices I have made throughout my career. Long, dramatic pause. And then said, for if I did, I fear I would shoot myself before morning. (laughs) Not a joking matter, but, you know, it was a long time ago and it was Howard Schnellenberger and it was sort of... uh, quintessential character moment and so all these guys they want the next job you understand it but be careful Pete's right pick the right spot you go to a place if you got to be convinced that they're going to give you time to fix it if it is a place like Mississippi State Um, if not then you have to you've got to keep winning in order to get a better spot Weekend preview is brought to you. Oh, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to read the Gary Darnell quote. Yes. Oh, please do. It. Please do. And then we'll so do, this we'll is do this preview. is 2004. One of the they used to do in New York Times a Sunday Notebook, and uh, Gary Darnell had been fired, and uh, I got him on the phone. Never spoken to him before. Um, he fell to one in ten, and I, I eventually asked him about staying at uh, Western. He said, "You feel very foolish." Very few guys actually beat the odds. It was something that I wanted to do and it didn't work. The reality is there's no utopia. And then in very like sober New York Times printers and language, as for his future, Darnell said he had drawn motivation watching the wildlife at his lakeside home. (laughs) 
I think I want to be a duck, Darnell said in a telephone interview yesterday. You want to know why? A duck goes in water when he wants to and goes on land when he wants to. He goes south for the winter and north in the summer. He eats good. He only eats fish and vegetables. I might be a duck for a while. How about that? That's amazing. (laughs) So did did he give, he gave that quote directly to you, Pete? Yes. On the record, on the phone. I remember I was sitting in the old office at the New York Times, the really old one. Um, And uh, yeah, and I was just like, Okay. You just it's it's always a good lesson. You just I'd never talked to him before and I don't think I've ever talked to him again, maybe once or twice. But like he'd end up as an assistant in a few places. But um yeah, I want to be a duck. <laughs> so in some days duck, it's, it's pretty attractive. <laughs> being a duck took him to AM apparently. That was his next yes. he took a year yeah. off and then went to <laughs> Be, yeah. be the the d coordinator at uh at not a, a lot of lakes around there <laughs> uh, no. uh, by the way last word about um barry odom and mississippi state and all that other stuff he's perfect for mississippi state he needs a chip on uh, a chip on shoulder locale um Fair. that's he, he's going to do things his way he's going to uh be as gritty as you could possibly want and if you tell him to change too much he's not going to appreciate it at all and he might not respond very well um that's because uh, if he because that's uh, you know, at Missouri, you know, the reason Eli Drinkwitz is at Missouri right now is because he, um, you know, Odom just, he was a little unlucky. Uh, he was still learning how to manage games, but each of the four years he was there, he didn't win quite as many games as my ratings said he should based on the stats of the game or whatever. Just he was a couple breaks away from having that job for a long time, but he and the, the AD there in 2019 weren't getting along all that well um, in terms of the future of the program and whatnot. And and it didn't work out. So I think, I think Mississippi state, that's the perfect uh, vibe for very, for Barry Odom. I would, I would certainly. Mac so Rhodes I'm, hired him. Yes. So Mac yes. Rhodes hired him at Missouri. Okay. Yep. So tuck what that I'm nugget, tuck that nugget away. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's um, interesting too. Yeah. So, uh, what I'm hearing from Bill is that now he has a complicated relationship with someone that uh, was was once a hero as a player <laughs> because he has his jersey. He has great respect for him as a player and a coach, but in some sense, his metrics ended up getting poor mm-hmm. Barry Odom fired. Bill, why did you I, fire that, Barry Odom? What I heard. Well, what's funny is my my <laughs> metrics loved Barry Odom uh, and suggested he should be like like they were. Let's see, they were 14th in SP Plus in 2018, but they only went eight and five. They were 25th in 2019. They went six and six. So if he mm. had actually, my numbers were try, were trying as hard as they could to prop him up, apparently, uh, and it just uh, it, it didn't work out. But uh, you know, now it's working out for Missouri. Now it's working out for for Barry Odom, and and everybody moves on, I guess. Can I just wrap this with this? Like a college town like Columbia, Bill, is a fun place when the football team's having a once oh, a decade season. Just give me oh, a little, yeah. give me a little sense on the ground there. Like give me a little vibe. No, and and I, I think I mentioned this before. Um, it's the there the vibe changed last year, uh, even though the results didn't yet. And that was it was really interesting. Suddenly the students just started started showing up again, and and you know it just felt like walking to the stadium. There, it's just a little louder. Um, and that was really interesting to me because they still just went you know six and seven last season, but they suffered some close losses, and and obviously the Georgia game helped and. Uh, it just kind of felt like uh, locally, like something was building. I couldn't really justify it with stats, but uh, then you know this year comes along, and 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 it is. I mean, it, it feels like an environment again. There for a few years, it most certainly did not. Even when Odom was improving the team, the the vibe, the attendance levels were still going down, um, and that is most certainly not the case now.
Let's make some picks, gentlemen, and we can preview this brought to you by... I think I... Oh, there you go. Sorry. (laughs) But Pete does not want me to read this promo. Pete, (laughs) do you have something against Eckridge Smoked Sausage? Love Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Would you put it it in your stuffing for Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Uh, I'd eat it in a boat. I'd eat it in a moat. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'd eat it at a tailgate. I'd eat it, uh, uh, you know, with all, like, paleo-ish diets that I tend to dabble in. Like, I'm in. I would eat it here. I would eat it there. I would eat it everywhere. Something tells me that Pete has been reading Dr. Seuss to young Teddy. <laughs> Weekend preview Facts. is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage, endorsed by Pete Thamel. <laughs> the secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And before we go into the picks, uh, Bill has fashioned himself on this podcast over the last couple of years as a bit of a foodie. So <laughs> what what is it? What is the off the wall, mm. unusual <laughs> Thanksgiving. Don't is it wait, is Thanksgiving when you and your your wife, your family, you do the themed meals rather oh, than yeah. the traditional turkey? So what's the theme this year? Yeah, we've kind of mastered this. The last the last couple of years we started, uh, there's a local restaurant that does you know big carry out stuff for Thanksgiving. So we'll order that. We'll get our stuff in and our mac and cheese. They do an amazing the green beans, all that stuff. Um throughout and then we'll put most of it in the freezer. So for throughout the next few months, we'll have random Thanksgiving, which is lovely. Uh the only thing better than Thanksgiving is random uh repeated Thanksgiving. Um, but then on Thanksgiving day, we'll, we'll do something extremely strange. Uh, last year it was Hawaii. Um, so we had our low, we had our Thanksgiving loco moco and purple potato salad and all that stuff. Uh, this year, the 12 year old is increasingly obsessed with anime. We've signed her up to go out to Japan in, in a couple of years on a school trip. Uh, so we're doing Japan. We're doing Thanksgiving, uh, katsudon and yakisoba noodles. And we have a little Asian market in town where, uh, they have a diabolical freezer section where it's, you know, you have all your major dumplings of, you know, pork or veggie or whatever. And then they just have the strangest stuff you've ever seen. Like I think it was corn dogs with fish cake and mozzarella. Like I pulled the the, the package out of the, the grocery bag and, and my wife kind of threw up in her mouth a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to dabble in all sorts of weird dumplings. We're going to have our noodles. We're going to have our breaded pork uh, is going to be a lovely time. Uh, and then the rest of the next few months, We'll eat Thanksgiving meals. Uh, if you if you add sushi to that, I would not recommend freezing and and doing it later for the random Thanksgiving, no. like in July. <laughs> no, and, and since my parents are coming over, um, they 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 are are willing in a lot of ways. They still haven't really talked. To, they're too old for sushi. Apparently, apparently, if you're in your seventies, that's too late. Uh, so uh, that that is not happening. But uh, <laughs> lots of other good Japanese food that is happening. I think I can speak for Pete and say this. If your parents would like to join us in Tuscaloosa or Athens at Chuck's Fish, 
Um, we might we might be able to convert them into bona fide <laughs> sushi lovers. And I, I I'm know a people, convert for life. I, I'm going to tell you, people from other parts of the country are listening and going Tuscaloosa, Athens, <laughs> really. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's. I mean, I've had sushi all over the place. I love it, and it is. It's. I think it's the best I've had. It's that's been like the develop food development. I think of the uh, the 21st century is that like last time we were in Oklahoma City, there's a place called Sushi Neko. Phenomenal sushi anywhere really? you go. Actually, no, I've had sushi in Starkville, Mississippi. Now that I think about it, and it was really? good. So. Yeah. Uh, that that seems to be the the the, the biggest uh, advancement of the 21st century, as you can as everywhere makes good sushi now, and that's uh, that is a lovely development. Well, it's time to make some picks. <laughs> now we teased we teased Stanford Steve earlier, and Steve with his uh, crazy schedule, you know, at Monday Night Football last night as we recorded this on Tuesday morning, which was a great game, by the way. What a win um, by the by the Eagles. Um, Steve was there. A little bit of a tight thing, has some family commitments for Thanksgiving, and also because he has the lead. Although it appears the gap is getting smaller there, Taylor, but Steve still has the lead. Reese, it is week 13 in the race for the ribeye. The stakes are stakes, and the gap is three between Ooh. Steve and you, Reese. I mean, this is this is wild here, and I think Steve, if he were here, he would accuse me of stacking the deck in your favor with all these games we're going to run through and pick. Um, but we do have two weeks left of this competition so yeah 59 wins for steve 56 for reese reese a huge week last week six and three pete five and four well done and then steve his worst week of the season bad time for it three and six for uh for steven there so he'll get his picks in he's a man of honor and integrity of no doubt about that and, and wait yeah and we a man that reese can't contrast picks with to try to chase so steve's uh, veteran gambler keeps yeah. pushing <laughs> you know the uh the funny thing is we always talk about that uh, fun super dog thing we do on the show every week, probably to uh, to the chagrin of some that we talk about it. There is Steve and I were talking and we usually don't bounce ideas off of each other, but um, he brought up in the meeting or I actually it was after the meeting. We were just chatting about games on Friday and he brought up uh, the game that I know Bill has written about a little bit. Jerry kill against Hugh freeze, New Mexico state and Auburn. He put it on the fridge, uh, took New Mexico state and, um, I told him, I said, I really like that pick, but I also like peace and harmony at home. Huh. And I picked against Auburn in the Superdog one time. I, my wife went to school at Auburn and I picked against him one time and she didn't care for that choice that I made. And so when I've brought up at different times, well, maybe I'll go with Auburn. She doesn't care for that either because she's like, I don't want you to get mad at them if they don't come through. So, uh, <laughs> you know, true true girl of the South, loyal to her team. So I pretty much take Auburn off the board, right? Uh, we were visiting her father last Saturday afternoon, who's uh, you know elderly, and we went down there after the show and, and visited with him. So the Auburn game was on. And as Jerry Kill continued to uh, work his magic over Hugh Freeze, which is generally something that happens in Auburn's favor against somebody in Jordan-Hare Stadium, all I could do was sit there and think, you know, if I'd taken New Mexico State, I'd be right on McAfee's heels. I'd be right. On, I mean, that would have been a, that would have been like a thirty-one pointer on uh, <laughs> got on any Saturday. casserole on Thanksgiving. So, like, there's there's like a little bit of you had to weigh it. So, yeah, that's true. I, you know, so I actually, I chose I took the better option. And to be completely honest about it, 
even though I knew they were better than people thought, and I thought they had a really good chance to cover, I did not think they were going to win. And what I think the object of the Superdog, uh, this whole Superdog segment, is to try to pick an underdog who could win. So I, I took Memphis as a 9 or 10-point underdog, and I thought they could win. They almost did. They didn't, but at least they got me the cover. So um, that would have been – that was uh, one of those, uh, since we're talking Auburn, uh, the legendary Pat Dye once said, hindsight's 50-50. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, hindsight, you look back at it. But on that morning, I didn't think New Mexico State could win. But boy, did they ever win. But so with that, it shows you the type of peril you put yourself in when you start trying to prognosticate games. So, Taylor, let's get started with a Thanksgiving smorgasbord. I think we're going to start <laughs> egg, aren't we? Oh, we're going egg. Hard-boiled, fried, scrambled, however you like it. The old Miss Rebels. Bloody. All right. There we go. Uh, Ole Miss, 10-point favorite on the road at Mississippi State. That kicks off at 7.30 p.m. on Thanksgiving. We will go Reese, Bill, and then Pete. You know, this is a Thanksgiving tradition in our house. We love watching the Egg Bowl. There's usually something bizarre. Somebody's hiking their leg, some kind of weird call. Um, I called an Egg Bowl once where Dak Prescott wasn't going to play and then came off the bench and led them uh, to victory with a weird Bo Wallace fumble through the end zone at the end in overtime to to finish the game. Uh, I know bizarre things happen, but man, Mississippi State can't get behind that even at home. I do not like uh, laying that many points in a rivalry game, especially when you know when you're laying them on the road. But I'm going to I'm going to take Ole Miss and lay the ten. Yeah, this, uh, the the Mississippi State offense is just a disaster. Um, obviously, they kind of they they found something late against Southern Miss. It took most of the game for them to really kind of make that one comfortable. And Southern Miss isn't very good, but um, I think the most interesting stat that I can find here is Ole Miss has played three teams. Like uh, Mississippi State, seventy fourth in offensive SP plus. Ole Miss has played three teams that bad or worse on offense. They allowed a, a lot of total of seventeen points in those games. Um, if you have a good offense, you will torch. Ole Miss like we, we, we've certainly learned that uh, but there's kind of a, a, a barrier there I don't, I don't think uh, Mississippi State gets scores nearly enough to to make this a game so I'm going Ole Miss and that's if, if Pete makes it unanimous then we have clenched absolute nuttiness which is I guess good for the Egg Bowl oh no I'm taking Mississippi State well okay, Rogers good, came good, back good. last week he did not play particularly well I think it was 12 to 27 but I just I am taking it on the pure chaos theory that the egg bowl cannot be boring. <laughs> there is not a lot of boring egg bowls. That's right. Fair. There are not a lot Very of fair. five score game, walk in the park. There is always something with the egg bowl. So um one of my favorite rivalries. Uh just again, Thanksgiving night, lie on the couch, maybe not off. There's a brawl that wakes you up. Like there's just go throughout the history of this series. It is to me, it epitomizes just sort of the the guts of college football, petty hatred, uh, generational pettiness and hatred. So um, I, I think Captain Will gives them a ride. I'm not saying they went out right, but I'm saying they uh, they, they got a chance. We'll turn the page to Friday, Iowa at Nebraska. <clears throat> Nebraska, a two-point favorite uh, to get to bowl eligibility. This is a big one. The total, 26 and a half. We'll go uh, Bill, Pete, Reese in this one. And you can, Bill uh, and Pete as well. Pete picked the over-under last week. So if you'd rather do that, uh, stake your claim to that one. Go for it. 
I'm not picking the over under in this. Like if, if I'm doing it, I'm picking the under, which because um, Iowa seems to treat this as a dare every single time this number is lower. Like watch this, 20, make it 18. And we're still going to make sure there are 16 total points and we have four more of them than the other team or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand why Nebraska kind of understand why Nebraska's favorite. But the bottom line here is I think Nebraska's what one and three or one and four and one score games. And I was like four and one. Um, it's going to be a rock fight and Iowa's going to be very comfortable in that rock fight. So I'm definitely picking Iowa here. I, uh, I'm going to take the under took it last <laughs> time coasted to victory. Like it was never, my heart never even beat once on it. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take it again. I'm going to, I'm going to ride with whatever little mojo I've got. Can I, can I take two things? Can <laughs> I take the under and Iowa? <laughs> I mean, I I had to look at that. Steve twice. would be protesting right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'll, I'll just take Iowa. Um, I have a lot of respect. We've made a lot of fun of them. And there's a part of me that uh, Pete accuses me of having this Southern sensibility that makes me feel bad. You know, if I start picking on someone too much, we've picked on them so much. I sort of felt badly. I mean, I've got some a great level of admiration that they keep finding ways to win. I mean, that's the object of the game. Now, is there a ceiling on that so that you are, I mean, I not that I would bet this way, but I bet everything I own that they can't beat Michigan or Ohio right. State uh, because of the ceiling. But it is still, they're, they're winning double-digit games basically by playing half of the game, playing defense, <laughs> playing, you know, like it's 1922. Don't forget um, special teams. And special teams. And sometimes when they get bad calls, they'd be even better. I wouldn't even know if it's a bad call. I didn't really think that fair catch thing was that bad a call because that's, you know, he's waving his arm around and, you know, the whole player safety thing, but I digress. I'm taking Iowa and the points. Um, I think they they win again, go on to the Big Ten championship game where they'll get beat. They'll go to a nice bowl. And, you know, once again, they they – they find a way to have a successful season, and I know it can be frustrating to Iowa fans at times. But the objects to win the game, and they do that a whole lot. And I think not a whole lot of double-digit win seasons in that school's history. I would think there's some. They've obviously had good coaches, but like there's right. not like you know that wall in the facility isn't uh, overflowing like Alabama's. You know, here's a good one: winning your in to the American championship game utsa at tulane tulane a three-point favorite this kicks off at 3 30 p.m eastern time on friday let's go pete reese and then bill interesting moment in time for tulane right now i believe they are 22 and three in the past two years yeah. um but like the most remarkable run in school history you want to talk about like outclassing a century of your history they have uh they have done it shoot they were two and ten three years ago so Willie Fritz, unbelievable job. They could uh, they could go back to the conference title game for a second year in a row here. And, um, yeah, I am not going to pick against them at home. Uh, look, two, two, two coaches that are going to be on everybody's lips here uh, for all these jobs in, in the next couple of weeks. And I, uh, I am not going against Michael Pratt and Willie Fritz at home, uh, even if I have to give away three. No, I'm going with Tulane, too, Pete. Uh, one, there's really interesting uh, potential scenario. They could... You know, if SMU plays Navy and if SMU wins, they're, you know, they're in too. But there are scenarios under which with the Americans tiebreaker system that the loser of this game could get in, particularly if that loser is Tulane. Um, 
you know, if, um, you know, if SMU loses too, because if you wind up with ties, they go, uh, they go to the higher ranked team in the college football playoff standings in the event that say Tulane lost and was knocked out and SMU had lost too. And there weren't ranked teams. They go to the computer rankings used in the old BCS formula. And at the moment right now, SMU has an edge on UTSA. Um, if the tiebreaker comes to that and Tulane is ranked ahead of both of them. Now it would, you know, it might adjust some after this, but it's a kind of a fascinating chaos theory in the American, which I don't think will come to fruition. I think you'll have a couple of undefeated in conference play teams going at each other. And one of them will be Tulane. So I'm taking the green wave. No, that gave you a tick, like a vert. Like I saw a visual tick when it said BCS formula. There are some weird formulas <laughs> in that formula. Um, some, and this is just the, the massy index. <laughs> this is the ranking snob in me. So, you know, I won't go any further, but there were a couple of, of those ratings that had no business being involved. In okay. The well, let me, formula. let me hit you with them right now. The ones that I, at least I have in my notes that they're using Anderson and Hester, good or bad. <laughs> um, they named Missouri, the 2007 national champions. So good, but also <laughs> not good. The, the Billingsley Index, which I believe was named for Peter Billingsley, star of A Christmas Story. <laughs> uh, not great. Uh, not It's it's no Collie Matrix, but it's not it's not amazing. Okay, so Collie Matrix was next, and so yeah. that must be okay. And what about Wolf? Um, that one I'm less familiar with, but, but yeah, I meant Collie Matrix is crazy. Uh, very, very strange formula overall. Uh, so not so in, entertaining, yes, but uh, in terms of quality, I'm not real sure that they there are. But th- this is this is 2023. There are a lot of nerds with computers out there who weren't doing this 20 years ago and are now. Um, so even you know, I'm not going to campaign for my own stuff, but there are a lot better ratings we could be using for this. Is all I'll, I'll campaign. Just use bills. That's what they they should change. We're going to let Bill tell us what it should be. Okay, pick the game, Bill. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to go TSA. Not only because not only to avoid unanimity, but um. They've just been awesome. They've they've been maybe the best team in the AAC unless SMU has over these last four or five, six weeks. And um, they're on a just on a freaking roll right now. The last Pac-12 Civil War, Oregon State oh. at Oregon. Oregon, a 13 and a half point favorite. This kicks off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday night. Let's go Reese, Bill, and then Pete. Um, you know, this could throw things into complete disarray. If Beeve wins this game, then Arizona can win its way into the Pac-12 <laughs> championship game and disrupt uh, not only the national championship race, but also disrupt the Heisman race where Bo Nix has moved, you know, uh, to the top of some boards in terms of, uh, in terms of the odds and the favorites. I, I know that Oregon built a big lead last year on Oregon state and, you know, sort of spit it up. So I think the ducks are going to be really, uh, really unhappy. But I, I really, I've thought since the beginning of the season, I think Oregon State is a really, really good team. I think Oregon's going to win the game, but I think those points, that's way too many points. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take Beeve, um, to make it tough on, on Bo Nix and the Ducks. I think the Ducks win, but I'll take Oregon State and the almost two touchdowns and two extra points. 
Yeah, uh, SP Plus has us more like 11 for Oregon, um, and that gives me an excuse to to side with uh, with Oregon State. This is uh, sometimes weird rivalry, not as much. Once I looked at the res- recent results, it wasn't quite as crazy in my head as I thought. The last two games in Corvallis were really fun, and, and Oregon State pulled both of those off. Otherwise, it's been a little one-sided lately. But um, no, I, I mean, Oregon State, is the, the run game's awesome. Uh, they ran the ball well last week. It was just kind of this weird circumstantial random breakdowns that that cost him that game and um and, and that was unfortunate i was as as fun as it is this washington story i love kaylin DeBoer. i was still hoping oregon state pulled that off just uh because of everything else but no i, I mean oregon's awesome that that's the main they're gonna win because they're awesome uh but i could absolutely see it staying close and and bo Nix has like 810 yards of pa- passing yards the last two weeks jane daniels would absolutely get my heisman vote he'd probably get my second place vote too but bo Nix would be third uh so if he wins i won't be all that brokenhearted by it huge stakes here for oregon state right like everything changes after this game they're gonna have a bowl game and all that but jonathan smith's one of the hottest coaches on the market who nobody can blame for leaving now it's his own water and it's gonna that would be a hard decision. Yep. But with Michigan State open, with other jobs expected to open, I mean, talk about like last call for a for a program, right? You're literally at the highest level essentially for the last time. You have the opportunity to just crush the soul of your arch rival <laughs> for the last time. And Smith has so methodically built this thing to be competitive at the highest level, to be a top 20 team. Um uh, it's a really interesting moment. Like you don't uh, unique gets overused, right, Reese? You can only be unique once. What's that? You, you're, well, you are either unique or you're not. There are yeah. no gradations of it. There are no. Fair enough. There's no scale of yes. they're more unique or most unique. You're either <laughs> yes. unique or you're not. Yeah. So this is a unique moment in Oregon State history, and I think that they they rally. You know, and 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 push through. It's got to be a hard year, right? All those players now are like, do we go to the portal? They're getting calls from other schools. Uh, like Damian Martinez, one of the best tailbacks in the country. Like, there's just unreal. Uh, uh, yeah, he's been great. He's been great. He was great last year. Uh, that old line of guys who all kind of came back. Um, really wanted this Oregon. They've had a great season, but I really wanted this Oregon State team to kind of like be in Pac-12 contention, win that game, like, like make like a little bit more noise, just because the again we don't root, but like the 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 plate tectonics just moved against them, you know, and. What it's going to look like and how it's going to look in the future, I I don't know. So I uh, I, I can't pick Beef to win, but I think they scare him and cover, and uh, I think that's one uh, that that's one that's one great civil war to end it. And I hope they make an announcement this week similar to the Apple Cup. Let's move to Saturday, Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville a seven point favorite that kicks off at noon Eastern. Let's go, Bill, Pete, and then Reese. Um, well, the game's in Louisville, so I'm picking Louisville. They uh, that's that's going to be my entire logic on this one. They overachieve dramatically at home and underachieve on the road. But this one uh, is in Louisville and and Kentucky. I've been kind of defending Kentucky of late. I felt like they were better than the than their results suggested. Uh, and they really not given me a reason to hold that up these last couple of weeks. So unless they bounce back, it could be Louisville by a lot. Now, I mean, my faith in that Kentucky offense is uh, is is just kind of uh, dashed <laughs> at this point. Um, and Louisville's defense, we've said it on here, is one of the one of the great surprise stories of the season. They're a top twenty scoring defense. They're a top twenty one total defense, which means they're ranked twenty first. And I just don't have any faith on the road with no stakes of any significance that Kentucky's going to show up. I, I I think Louisville blasts them. 
I'm I'm going with Louisville to cover also. I mean, Kentucky's lost five out of six. They've gotten blasted by the upper echelon teams that they played. Um, playing only, and I don't know if you would consider Tennessee upper echelon, but they only lost to them by six. Everybody else has blown them out. That's been good. And I don't, I don't know that Louisville, in fact, I don't think that Louisville is of the ilk of Georgia and Alabama uh, or Missouri, but, um, you know, maybe close to Missouri, but I think they're significantly better than Kentucky. And the other thing to keep an eye on in this two guys is as we evaluate Florida State and, you know, if you come into a situation where there's sort of one spot there and you're looking at Florida State undefeated backup quarterback versus a one-loss SEC champion, if it's Alabama, you know, I think the default mechanism over the years has been to go with the SEC champion because it's a, quote, tougher conference. Now, the ACC got off to a great start against the SEC this year. They won. They were at 1.4-2. and two. Uh, If there was a middle-of-the-season game, maybe a Wake-Vanderbilt game, which would have gone the uh, ACC's way, too, that I'm not sure was counted in there. But the ACC has done very well against the SEC. This will be another one of those Great moments. And then, and then this team is going on to the ACC championship game. There are some, there are some extra stakes here at this game that don't really involve the two teams playing. You know, if Kentucky were to win, maybe that changes the thought process of some, I don't think they will. I think Louisville wins this thing pretty easily and rolls in there with a, with a good chance to sneak away with the with the conference crown against uh, against the now wounded Florida State team. Matt Canada got fired. Well, you know what that no. means? That means the people who've been bringing that sign to game day every single week can now well, come up. up with a new sign. He also got fired a bunch in college too, so this isn't that unfamiliar. What did he run? He ran those like jet sweeps, jet like, sweeps, uh, like a conference filled with jet sweeps. As much motion as humanly possible, yeah. yeah. If I was an NFL fan, that would like drive me crazy because a lot there of times were, jet sweeps go backwards. There were, um, <laughs> there, there were some periods of consternation and angst when he spent some time in Baton Rouge. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. yes, 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 yes. I was there shortly after uh, he was shown the exit door there. Too, so since we're piling on Matt Canada, I, I he uh he piloted a couple Maryland offenses. So when he got an NFL yes. job, absolutely floored. <laughs> Wasn't he the, the the interim there after Durkin got run? Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And he actually, as interim, he actually did a reasonably decent job. But uh, no, it's it's one of those on paper. If he explains his offense to you, I'm I'm in 100. Like the the eye candy, all the stuff that they do, and then you watch it in action. Like really? No, that's not what I that's not what I was looking for. That's not. But anyway, I, I digress. Really, it's second and seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> The people listening and watching this podcast waiting for us to talk about Ohio State, Michigan, <laughs> and for the brakes to be slammed on to talk about Matt Canada. Here we go. The game, <laughs> Ohio State at Michigan, three and a half point favorite. The Wolverines are. Game day will be in attendance. This will kick off at noon. We'll start with Pete and then go Reese and Bill. Well, I started last night uh, calling calling around to coaches who played uh, both of them this year, coaches, assistants, et cetera, to to get a little bit of a little bit of personnel report. And I can report, I think, four interviews in that I've got no feel because, you know, a lot of like, you know, well-established longtime head coaches have gone like uh, the game's in Ann Arbor, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. Sources can confirm. So. 
Uh, fascinating game. Again, unique, right? You have an interim coach. You have a conference title uh, game spot on the line. You have a college football playoff spot on the line. You have a uh, legendary player and coach sidelined um, who could potentially not return ever if his team loses the game. Or they could win. Very, very viable scenario. They're favored. And he could go on and win the national championship. Like it all, like, I don't know if there's been 60 more impactful minutes in this rivalry. So that said, from a personnel standpoint, Ohio State's offensive line is not elite and it's not what it was last year, but it has gotten better. And I feel like the key to this game is going to be a eliminating big plays because you look at the last two for Ohio State. That's they did not do that. They failed at that. But it's going to be protecting Kyle McCord and making sure Kyle McCord doesn't give the game away. And their ability to protect Kyle McCord um, is questionable because look at what Michigan's front did to Maryland. If they didn't maul Maryland's front, they walk out of there with a loss last week. It's it's very it's very simple. So that's strength on bad for uh, for Michigan um, when you look at their front uh, four, especially. I don't think Michigan's linebackers are great. I think their secondary is very good. Um, and then. McCord needs time to get the ball to Marvin Harrison. Uh, Emeka Buka has perked up a little bit late this year. He's been a little banged up, a little uneven. And uh, Trayvon Henderson has obviously, since he returned for that Wisconsin game, run about as well as anyone anyone in the country. So I have no feel. Uh, I have no. It's such a weird game to pick. Uh, I, with three and a half, I'm going to take Ohio State because I do think this is a close game. I'd be pretty surprised if it's a blowout. I do think Ohio State has a pinch more talent. Um, I'd have a lot more conviction if the game was in Columbus, but I am going to uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State. But I am riveted by the theater of this game. In my 20 years, it's one of the most compelling games I've been a part of uh, covering for all of those reasons. It is just a collision of so much history, so much hatred, and so many unique circumstances. Best in Game is brought to you by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Second straight year that they've both been 11-0 when they've met and ranked uh, second and third, I believe, in, in the whole history of this series. Um, they've been undefeated, untied, met only five times. They didn't know six in that you know game of the century then that was a fabulous game. And then a couple times during the 10-year war with uh, Bo and Woody, which ran from 69 to 78. So this, this has a lot of historical significance to it. The theater surrounding Jim Harbaugh not being there is is fascinating. I mean, I know we've talked about this quite a bit. I believe, and I think Pete does too, that Sharon Moore at some point in his career is going to be a head coach and has a chance to be a really good one. I think he's done a nice job in really difficult circumstances. Uh, hearing Harbaugh at the podium on Monday was absolute gold. Talking about Ted Lasso. Comparing his locker room to his mother's bathing suits, he likes them in one piece. That I mean, that usually reflects a coach who feels really good about things. Yet he's not going to be there, so that you know that gives you pause. Before the season started, I had Michigan as my preseason number one. If you had asked me before the season started, who are you picking to win the national championship? I would have said Michigan, and did. Um, now I think Georgia's better than them at the moment. And I saw a couple of things the last two big 
the last two games they played Penn State and Maryland that have really given me concern. So Maryland's edge guys just running past uh, Michigan's tackles. That's bothersome. I saw them not throw a pass in the second half, and now I wonder if it's because we don't think that we can stop edge rushers, which Penn State has, and Penn State obviously loves to dial up pressure with Manny Diaz. I'm I'm really concerned, and I started getting the gut feeling last Saturday watching Michigan and Maryland. I think Ohio State's going to win, but I'm not going to overthink this. Going into the season, I thought Michigan was the best team. <laughs> We're in Ann Arbor. Michigan, I think, will have its best performance of the season on the biggest stage. So I am I think it's going to be a close defensive game. I'm tempted to take the points and thread the needle. But instead, what, what's the number? Three and a half? I'm going to say... I'm going to say Michigan wins this game. I'm not even going to say 21-17. That means there are too many clean drives. I'm going to say Michigan wins the game 20-16 to and covers by a half. So I'm going to go with the Wolverines. Yeah. Um, Pete said he didn't have a read on this game until like two weeks ago. I absolutely did. Like I, I was very, very, very confident in Michigan. Um, they were the numbers they were putting up in October, especially were, were absolutely ridiculous. Now um, the last three weeks have been, have told a different story. And you know, if you're, if you're a message boarder, you might have your theories as to why the last three weeks in particular have not gone as well for Michigan, but um the last three games, well, first of all, their defense has allowed the most points of the season for three straight weeks. Now, granted, that started at 13 because they <laughs> hadn't given up anything to date, but 13, then 15, then 24 to Maryland is is awfully weird. Uh, they were overachieving against projections by like three touchdowns a game there for a while. Last three games, they've underachieved by about a touchdown, uh, by six points, and they're favored by six points uh, in, in my numbers. So if trends mean anything... Um, they point to Ohio State. Ohio State has just been the steadiest team in the country just about. They've overachieved by a couple of points every single week since basically the first two games of the season. If that means anything, it favors Ohio State. Uh, and this could absolutely, we've seen the the wild reversals before uh, in this series just recently. And, and so it could absolutely flip. I'm just going to, I, I, I'm just going to go with Michigan for kind of the same reasons as Reese. Um, overall, I, I've, you know, if you ask me every single week who's going to win this game, I would say Michigan for most of the weeks of the year. Uh, and so I'm just going to stick with that now um, and, and assume that maybe some of the underachievement in recent weeks was saving stuff, um, you know, for, for the big, the one game that truly matters on the schedule. So I'm going to go with Michigan. I don't feel good about it at all. Um, I, I do think this is going to be, there's really not a result here that could surprise me, but I'm just going to try not to overthink and go with the team I've, I would have uh, predicted all year. I, I want to make a couple of quick points before we move on, Taylor, just real quick. First of all, uh, most important one, kickoff doesn't come until 12.14 Eastern time. <laughs> uh, kickoff doesn't come until then. That's very important. So you can you know you can stay, with, uh, stay with game day. You're not going to miss a thing. They're, they won't kick it off for a while. And the other thing is, is with uh, Tui Moloau, Sawyer on the outside. I know they haven't put up big numbers this year. Those two guys are huge keys. And on the other side, and I may be out over my skis here, and I don't think anybody uh, is going to shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. But if there's one player in the country that I would say, if I've got to take a chance with somebody covering him, who's it going to be? I'll take Will Johnson. So 
you know, there are some really fascinating individual matchups to watch in that game that I think will probably tell the tale of who wins. Did Sawyer have like three and a half TFLs last week? I, I want to say like he kind of like he'd been sort of a career recruiting tease. Yeah. Um, and he again against Minnesota seems like seems like he's come along this year and had a good year. Um, I don't think he's going to go to the NFL or anything. He could be one of their linchpins next year. But I feel like he kind of had one of those games where you're like, wait a minute, is he figuring it out? They've got two guys that can wreck the game yes. on the edge. And that's where it'll, it'll be interesting to see how Michigan uses its protections, too. It's not like they have to leave their tackles out there on an island against those yes. guys, you know? So they have good tight ends and yeah. they'll they'll help them. But yeah, I mean, boy, what a what a game. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if there's many games in my career I've looked forward to going to more. Well, this is an awkward transition. Put this Maryland <laughs> Rutgers game in here. <laughs> let's let's be real though, guys. You know, we just went from the top of the Big Ten East. This game for Maryland and Rutgers is really important. Both teams are six and five. A seven win season for either of these, these teams is a success. So Maryland, a one point favorite on the road at Rutgers. That kicks off at three thirty PM Eastern on Saturday. We'll go Reese, Bill, and then Pete. Uh not not much feel for this game maryland got up kind of played its tails off uh you know last week had a shot at it i just don't trust them to follow it up so since rutgers is at home and they're they're you know what i can't do it i'm gonna go with a better quarterback i'll go with maryland i'll go with maryland and lay the points that's what i'll never mind never mind i don't trust them but i'll go with a better quarterback yeah I'm not buying it that they show up again. Um, yeah, four previous weeks before Michigan, uh, they underachieved my projections by 15 points per game. It really was a September Maryland versus everybody else Maryland kind of deal. And um, they were on their way to just absolutely falling apart overall. They did they did eke out the Nebraska win, which was good. They needed a sixth one. Um, but they just have not been very good. And I'm going to assume that whatever they had left, they spent last week in Rutgers who, who's going to show up. We know Rutgers is going to show up and defend like crazy uh, and make things really annoying and painful. And I'm going to assume in the end at home, especially the Rutgers gets it done. Rutgers defense quietly has been one of the better units in yeah. the country this year. They're, they're fifth in passing yards allowed. They're 11th in total defense. They're 20th in scoring defense. And Bill would have better metric ideas than me, but they've thrown Gavin Wimpson's thrown so many pick sixes that I would imagine actual <laughs> scoring defense compared to the NCAA's basic metrics would would favor them even more. So if Wimsick can not give up the ball in crucial situations, which he did against Penn State the other day early, if he can avoid the self-destructive turnover, I think Rutgers has a really good chance to win. So I am going to take the Scarlet. Here, my guy, Reese. Washington that State. Was just, that was just for you, Taylor. I appreciate it. Just for you. We'll, we'll go to uh, this one. Could be a little more interesting. Washington State at Washington. They did the right thing. They extended the Apple Cup for five more years. Washington, a 16 and a half point favorite. This kicks off at 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll go Bill, Pete, and then Reese. It's it's uh, 16 and a half, you said? Yes. Uh, so SP Plus projects Washington to win by 16 and a half. Uh, so that helps not even slightly. Um I, I'm going to go Washington. Bill actually had a better read on this one. That's right. <laughs> Collie Matrix really has this one dialed in. Um, I, 
I guess I'm going to go Washington. I, I do like the Washington State showed back up last week. Um, they're still they still have bowl, a bowl to play for here, and obviously just like Oregon State last week and, and this week, like there's there's a lot going on here. Then and and they're going to absolutely try to throw some haymakers. Uh, I just don't know if that's worth very much right now, um, especially Washington's. Washington's defensive front is going to cost them a legit shot at the national. Even if they make the college football playoff, they're not going to win the college football playoff because they can't. They're just not good enough up front. Their secondary is very good. And what we've seen against Oregon, what we've seen against Oregon State is like when they have to, you know, even if they mess around for a little bit, lose their rhythm, when it's time to make a play, the offense makes a play. And and so I'm just going to. I'm going to ride that out. I do think this is going to be a really super intense game early on, but in the end, I don't, I guess at this point in the year, I just don't think Washington state's good enough to, to, to threaten for, for a full 60 minutes. And I'll take uh, Washington to pull away at the end. I'm going to, I'm going to filibuster uh, instead of traditional game analysis. Just take a moment to say that we have not seen the upset yet this year, yeah. right? Like yeah. we have not seen the big game, high stakes down goes, Georgia down goes Bama and that's like like we have seen in past years right like a like a big undefeated juggernaut late in the season it's almost an upset that we haven't seen an upset does that make sense yes Mm -hmm. so we are going to get an upset this weekend I am confident in that now I don't know which one it is and I'm not going to pick it but it's going to happen because we cannot have an upset last season we sat here in like week six and it was like well there's no way all these undefeated teams are going to say well they have Mm -hmm. um and that just defies reality and defies convention. And it's really hard to go undefeated. Really, really hard to go undefeated. Look at what James Ma- what happened to James Madison this week, right? Like, it's really hard to go undefeated. So I'm going to take Washington State because 16 and a half is a lot of points. And I think they'll, they'll, they will empty the bag of trips with Cam Ward and Colorado. One and seven in the Pac-12 Colorado is a... Uh, is a good way to get better and get healthy. And Washington <laughs> State is and Washington State has done that. The fact that that Colorado seems to have, you know, cashed it in or have just been, you know, worn down and, and can't put up a fight anymore, uh really really skews that Washington State, you know, got their rhythm back last week. I think that was more a product of of Colorado than anything else. I agree with Bill. The the defensive front's going to be a problem. They don't they don't get any negative plays in terms of stopping, you know, runs at the line of scrimmage or behind. But that's not what Washington State really does. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say Washington wins and covers. Uh they won they won last year uh, by 18 on the Palouse. Now they've got them at home. I know there will be a lot of emotion for Wazoo trying to, you know, trying to win this last win in the Pac-12 era. And, and you're right, they did do the right thing by continuing to play. Uh, in the future, one in Seattle, and then the next four will be home and home uh, situation. But I'm going to take Washington to win to go into the Pac-12 championship game undefeated. Yeah. The um, by the way, the I, you know, stats, you know, stat people and and stats or whatever, we're we're always regarded as pretty antisocial. But I've been leaning on the stats all year to uh, to give me hope for for chaos and upsets, and and I'm going to do it again. The six games that aren't that involve those top eight teams and aren't you know Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, obviously, all the the highly ranked teams are favored, but SP Plus says there's a 68 percent chance that one of them loses. It's a bunch of like 70 something or 80 something percent win probabilities. You mash that all together, it says somebody loses. It's been saying that all year, um, and, and it hasn't happened. But uh, what are the odds are... that 
five teams like it from power conference. What, what could we have? Well, we can't have five. We'd have to have four, four right? Four, yeah. What are the odds that four, like that has to be Terrible. really minuscule. Terrible odds that that, uh, that, that would have happened. And, and, you know, you play enough seasons. Eventually it will. And maybe it happens this year, but yeah, no, there are still the odds favor something surprising, even though the theme of this entire year has been good teams flirt with disaster than win anyway. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if that continues. Would would it be the most recent Texas thing ever of near <laughs> if you have four undefeated conference wow. champions in Texas right. where they win at Alabama and a 12 and one record in Big 12 championship? And they're like, sorry. You know? <laughs> now, I mean, some will make the argument uh, for them over Florida State. Um you know, and that will depend on how Florida State plays without Jordan Travis, I think. But that is a possibility and one that I'm sure makes uh, Texas fans quite nervous. Real mystery box of a game here. Florida State, a six and a half point favorite on the road at Florida. No Jordan Travis, no Graham Mertz. Let's go. This starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll start with Pete and then go Reese and Bill. Hey, Rodemaker, welcome to the stage. No pressure, rivalry game, playoff fade on the line. Uh, decade-ish national championship streak sitting there, a really bad decade of football that you can bail out of. No pressure, no pressure at all. Um, every you know bad throw, missed you know b- b- assignment will be scrutinized and picked over to death. What an impossible spot for Tate Rodemaker. Uh, he's a guy who came there in the in the in the bad times and, and has been a great program guy for them. Obviously, came in and uh, won at Louisville, uh, I think, in week three last year. Um, he's shown some moxie and some metal. Um, I don't think they'll have much problem at Florida. Old friend Max Brown uh, for the uh, for for the Gators, well traveled and uh, earned his spot. Gave them a little juice actually last week when it when it happened. So I think Florida State wins and covers. I think Tate Rodemaker puts in the first installment of his uh, of his like personal prove it to the committee. It's a, it's a resume real game, not only for Rodemaker, but for Florida State. And the committee will and should be closely watching what Florida State is without Jordan Travis. Um, you know, he's responsible for the most touchdowns in Florida State history. Total offense over 10,500 yards. That tops the charts. He's got all kinds of other records. These are giant shoes that Rodemaker is going to fill. There was a game last year that we've referenced earlier in the podcast against uh, Louisville where he came off the bench through a couple touchdown passes um and he's been he's been around there's a there's a steadying field having a veteran guy um you know do that but you know that was that game that we mentioned the weeknight game come from behind against Louisville threw for 109 yards at that point that was his that was his career high so there is a lot of unknown but Florida has issues at quarterback as well. And I'm going to say that, you know, Steve Spurrier's not walking through that door to rotate uh, three quarterbacks in by the play, like in 97 when they ruined things for Florida State and running Noah Brandeis and uh, Dougie, Dougie, Doug Johnson and uh, Jesse Palmer out there just play by play by play to try to, you know, do something wacky and pull off the upset. I just don't think the Gators have the juice to do it. So I'm going to take uh, Florida State and lay the points. I was really annoyed for a good portion of last Saturday evening because all year my uh, I feel like I've been higher on Florida than most people. Uh, and I thought, you know, my, my line for a while has been they, they don't make any bad plays. It's either good plays or absolute catastrophes. Um, but 
on paper, if you're making enough good plays, then eventually if things go your way and you pull it, you're, you're capable of pulling an upset. Naturally, that almost happened against Missouri. Um, that was going to annoy me severely. I talk up Florida and then it, it, it costs uh, my alma mater. But I do think... And Max Brown looked really, really interesting uh, when he, you know, he came in in a really awkward situation, uh, made some throws, made some runs, looked really, really solid down the stretch there of that game last week. Um, but I, <laughs> I'm going to take. I, I think Florida State wins, uh, but I do think Florida is capable of making this a really, really, really awkward situation um, for for most of 60 minutes, especially at home. Um, and and I think Florida State's just too mature. They figure out a way. They don't have those catastrophes because even even in a near upset, Florida had a red zone fumble and gave up a 77 yard touchdown and a fourth and 17 completion and all that other stuff. Uh, they're really, really close to being a lot better. I think they will cover. Uh, I don't think they will win. I think Florida State finds a way, and I and I also think, man, if Florida State finishes unbeaten, they're in. I I think that's a. I realize we're going to a twelve team playoff, and so precedent doesn't matter as much moving forward. But if they're thirteen and 0, 13 and zero power conference team, I just uh, there has to, I I I, can't, I could not in good conscience ever vote to to keep that team out, and I don't think the committee does either. I, I'm gonna I want to say this, Bill, because I don't agree. I because they're not the team that got to eleven and zero beforehand. So I think it's really important the way he plays. Like if they, like let's say they can't score and Florida, you know, can't either, and they stumble around and and win, you know, ten to six, and then maybe there's a similar thing against Louisville, and it's clear that their offense can't function. Um, which I don't really anticipate. I think it's more likely what you said that will sort of be. Uh, satisfied that they right. can play with Rodemaker. But if they can't, you know, but they still somehow find a way to win, block, punt, kickoff return, something like that, I don't think it's unreasonable to say because Texas, for instance, if Texas is a one-loss champion, there's only one spot, that's not unreasonable uh, just because they've lost a game. Um, at least I that's think- the way I feel about it. I think Louisville especially is good enough that if they are just barely scraping by and their offense isn't good, they lose and it doesn't matter. So I do think the bar is high enough there that if they clear it and they beat Louisville, then yeah, it, we're, then we're good. Uh, it would take a spectacular series of of pick sixes and kick returns and stuff for them to win that game if if the offense isn't good. So that's mm-hmm. that's my that's my trump card right there is if the offense isn't good enough, they don't win out anyway. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's fair enough. But I think that I do think the committee needs to evaluate this. Because this is like, uh, you know, the injury situation that everyone goes to with the committees when Kenyon Martin yep. got hurt for Cincinnati <laughs> in basketball and cost him a seed line. That's not the wrong thing. You're not the same team. And quarterback is different than losing a running back. Every position's important. You know, if, you know, heaven forbid, but I won't, don't want to call any names, so I won't jinx anybody. If you lose your star receiver, you lose your star tight end, you lose your star edge rusher, that's a big deal. But it's not the same as quarterback. And, you know, the quarterback touches at every play, runs everything. Uh, So I think that they should be scrutinized carefully. But they don't have to have, I'm not saying they have to have the exact same level of production. They just have to show they can run their offense. If they do that, then uh, then I'm with you. If they finish undefeated, I think they deserve a spot in the playoffs. Last game for today, North Carolina, a three-point favorite at NC State. A couple eight and three teams staring each other in the face here, trying to get to nine. This kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Saturday, we'll go Bill, Pete, and then Reese. 
This is, I think, the most underrated rivalry game in the country in terms of chaos potential. Um, mm. Like just in the last, what, 10, 11 years, at least twice, it was my favorite game of rivalry week. You had the Gio Bernard punt return way back when, what was that, 2012, I think, 13. Uh, and then last year's game was just absolute nuttiness for the last however much of the, the fourth quarter. Um, just delightful chaos potential. And then you look and, and North Carolina is a narrow favorite on the road. This just, I'm going to be so disappointed if this isn't 38, 37, one way or the other. I'm going to go to NC State simply because it would, it would also be kind of poetic if this team, this hilariously flawed team with a bunch of different quarterbacks uh, that flew under the radar because they lost it. They got thumped by Notre Dame early, um, you know, had that horrible game at Duke. Um, th- that this is the team that wins 10 games for Dave Doran. It's on, it's on the board still. Uh, they can beat North Carolina, win their bowl, get to 10 wins. Finally, uh, kind of the one hurdle that Dave Doran hasn't cleared. I think it'd be hilarious if this was the team that did it. His like sixth best team is the one that wins 10 games. Uh, but I'm going to pick it to happen just because, uh, nothing has to make sense. So this is going to be searing analysis here. Well, first of all, we're all familiar with the UNC fade, right? Mm-hmm. And far be it for me to pick against the UNC fade because they are fading and they are fading. And NC state has quietly put together one of the best little four game stretches that we've seen in the yeah. sport. All right. They authoritatively beat Clemson. They thumped Miami, uh, didn't give up seven points to both Miami and wake forest. And then one in Blacksburg against Virginia tech, a much improved Virginia tech team. I don't care. Anytime you win in Blacksburg, it's really hard to do. So give them credit for finding themselves. Dave Dorn is a solid football coach, and he has got together and had a solid football team this year and had to make some adjustments along the way, figure it out, tip of the cap to him. There is zero chance I'm picking North Carolina to do anything mid-fade. <laughs> I don't think there should be unanimity in the North Carolina, North Carolina state yeah. game. I, I think that the Tar Heels have been for a team with a good record as disappointing as, as anyone with a good record. If you're going to, you know, make that a subset of the season. Um, they, it's just a blown opportunity, man. I mean, Georgia tech and Virginia improved over the course of the season. You can't lose those games. I'll kind of give them road loss at Clemson, you mm-hmm. know, whatever, but what a, what a blown opportunity from North Carolina this year with uh, with this quarterback, with the number of weapons that they've been able to develop, getting Tez Walker midseason, and still, same as it ever was. Second straight podcast, we have referenced the talking heads, probably some kind of record. Um, but, you know, because you guys picked NC State, and I have not become less enamored with Drake May as a prospect, though – you know, there, you know, there have been moments of magic and brilliance this year, and you know, there have been opportunities that weren't seized. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say in the rivalry game, maybe his last game. Who knows what he does in the in the bowl game, too? I'm gonna go with uh with the Drake and North Carolina. Um, probably one of those that as Pete likes to talk about on Saturday night, I'm gonna go, really? <laughs> really? You believed in him again, or if, even know. if you didn't, you didn't, yeah, you didn't truly believe, but you went ahead and went there anyway, you know, so that's, uh, that that's where I am. I'm going to go with Carolina. Don't love it, but that's, that's how I'll go. Guys, that was a smorgasbord of picks. That's like having every Thanksgiving side you could ever imagine there. And we picked 
a whole bunch of games. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope everyone listening there has a tremendous Thanksgiving holiday. We appreciate the support you've given the podcast. We encourage you to subscribe or download wherever it is that you like to get your podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you Saturday morning from Ann Arbor.